Psalm chapter 63, and considering our theme for this year and all that has been going on in our world and in our country especially, this is a passage that has been weighing heavily upon my heart, and I felt impressed of the Lord to deal with today, and I believe that it contains a great truth that we need to lay a hold of. How many of you that are here today, in your heart of hearts, you want to draw near to God this year? Let me see your hands. You just want to draw nearer to the Lord this year than you were last year, and with every passing day, draw ever closer unto the Lord. I'm afraid that there are way too many Christians that when they get to heaven are going to experience total culture shock, right? Because they really have not drawn nigh unto the holy. I was talking to Brother Daniel this week and we were discussing what has transpired as a result of this year, uh, 2020, that's passed us. And uh, with all of the social distancing and, the lay- and laying out a church for so many people and the fact that many people that uh, claim to be members of a church, claim to be regular, never really regularly supported the services of their church by logging on to them and, and uh, kind of came to the place where they felt like, you know, I've, I've been several months without being really committed to the church and I feel fine. So I don't really, they've kind of concluded then that church is not really all that necessary in their life. They find all of their religious input through the internet. And all of their religious outlet, they think, is by posting things that their friends can see on the internet. And I'm happy for everybody who wants to be a witness on the internet. But can I tell you something? Your uh, posting spiritual memes on the internet is no substitute for carrying out the Great Commission. And God's ordained plan has been and will remain the institution of the church. That's His purpose and His plan is the church carrying out the Great Commission. Not somebody randomly on the internet, you know, posting a verse and thinking that that's their spiritual service unto the Lord. The fact is that I know people that will, would rather uh, send a text message than talk on the phone. How many of you, are, you, you know people like that? They, uh, they could be home, they could have the phone in their hand, it could be ringing, they're not going to answer it. But if you text them, they'll text you right back. What is up with that? What is up with that? I don't get it. It's like, well, I only have so many minutes on my calling plan. So answer it if you have minutes, right? We, look, I'm just talking for, I'll talk for a second. I don't want to tie up your minutes. The point is, look, there are many people that would rather post a verse online than talk to their neighbor about Jesus. And uh, I think we've got to come to this place where, where we, we understand how critically important this is. I was talking to to Brother Daniel and he said, Pastor, it reminds me of the church of Laodicea. That they've come to the place where they feel they don't need the things of God anymore. They just have kind of been lulled into this place where they just don't feel like they need anything anymore from the church or even the Lord. And what does the Word of God there say in the words that are written in red? I counsel thee to buy of me gold, try in the fire that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that 
thou mayest be clothed. And, and then it says, and anoint thine eyes with eyes have that they mayest, thou mayest see. You know, the fact is that we have been blinded by the things of this world, the God of this world, into seeing a, from a perspective that is not godly. Uh, we have failed to understand that we cannot establish our own righteousness, that we must be robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and to walk a righteous life before Him. And when it says to buy gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, what he's saying is vest yourself in the holy, in the divine, in that which is heavenly. Whenever we see gold mentioned in uh in passages like that, it is always a reference to heaven, to the divine, to invest in the things that will never pass away. And people have been vesting themselves in in uh, oh, internet software and in computers because we're, we're now working from home and we're going to stay home and we're going to fix up the house or we're going to uh, work on the car. We're going to invest in this or that. And the reality is that God is calling us to invest in the things that will never pass away. My friend, true riches are not wrapped up in your portfolio, but in those things which will never pass away. And I'm going to tell you that uh, Miss Barbie, today when you went upstairs to serve the Lord with kids, you know what you were doing? Uh, you were being a wise steward of true riches. You see, true riches are wrapped up in the things that will never pass away. And I believe today that we need to come to that place where we understand that and that, that Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe it? Do you believe it more now than you did a week ago today? Maybe some of you thought, well, there's going to be this 11th hour miracle on Wednesday and, and, uh, and the election results are going to get overturned and nothing went like you thought that it would go. And there were a lot of people with sad, ashen faces that were shocked and awed, including many people who were involved in a movement that, that afterwards thought, man, I, I, I can't believe this. I'm so disillusioned. I'm hurt. I feel betrayed. I don't know what to do. And today, even as folks were driving away from the drive-in service, many stopped to speak a word or two, and there were tears streaming down their faces because they were so disappointed in the turning of things this week. And my friends, I'm going to tell you something, uh, that uh, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. That's what the Bible says. And look, my faith has never been in an elected politician. My faith should always be in God and God alone. He never fails and He will never let me down. Nor will He you. And, and, and I'm glad that I heard a few of you behind the masks saying Amen. Now, as we consider this time in which we're living, and it's a difficult day, I believe that we are, if we tarry, if the Lord tarries His coming a little bit, some of you know this, we're going to face unparalleled persecution. There's coming an assault against the First Amendment. There's, it's not coming, it's here. It's here. Most of you know that. Parlor was shut down, right? And it's the left that's shutting down the free speech. They're for free speech if it agrees with them. Say, what does that have to do with anything? 
Well, it has everything to do with what I'm about to say. And that is that they're not real fond of Christianity preaching the gospel. They're not real fond of the fact that we're meeting here today. They would just as soon as stay on the internet. You know why? Because they can control the internet. Honestly. And uh, I think we need to understand that we're coming into a time where our faith is going to be tested on a level that most of us uh, have imagined wouldn't take place until the tribulation period. And uh, we're not far away from it. Folks, I'm not taking a political position. I'm not happy at all with what happened on Wednesday. And, And the fact of the matter is, my hope is not in an elected official, it's in Jesus. And I know you feel that way too. And we are not better off because, uh, listen, I, I know the platform of the party that got elected in. So even though they may on face seem like they're nicer people or maybe they're less arrogant or whatever you want to say about it, the fact is, look, they don't love Jesus more than anybody else or less. The fact of the matter is, if they believe what they say in their own writings, they just detest the people of God, the things of God, and the Word of God. They detest it. And we, we need not be ignorant about that fact. Now you might say, well, I can't. Well, why does he? Or you can kind of get, get your back up. Go read what they write that they believe. And then look at what God's Word says. And you know what you're going to have to come to the conclusion of? Our country is headed to hell in a handbasket, and we are on the fast track there. And the fact that we're going to get a new president doesn't all of a sudden change all of that. There were people that were thinking, I'm ready to say goodbye to 2020. Because, man, when we turn that calendar page, it's in the rearview mirror. I'm going to flush the toilet and let it all go down, and we're going to have a brand new day. But guess what? We have more COVID cases now than we did last year. More people dying every day now than did last year. We're a bigger pickle politically now than we were last year. So we could go along with some Pollyanna type of an attitude or we can be rooted and grounded in the Word of God and not be shaken to the core when a man does what men do. Disappoint. Are you with me? Yeah. I I know this is a hard thing. I know a lot of Christian people that really thought, you know, this movement is of God. You know, I'll tell you something. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. On the right or the left. I'm just saying. Psalm 63 really speaks to both what we're talking about Drawing near to God and why it is so critically important in this evil day in which we live. In verse 1 it says, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary, because Thy loving kindness is better than life, My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. 
I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for the foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Lord God, help us to understand this thy word. Use it in each of our lives, we ask. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. This morning, I want to bring you a message entitled, Longing for God. Longing for God. I submit to you today that until we come to the place where we truly long for God, we will never truly draw near to God. We'll follow along at a distance. I know many people that claim to be Christians who have longings. They long for a better car, or they long for a nicer job. They, they long for better wages. They long for nicer vacations. They long for more paid time off. They long for time with their kids or their grandchildren. They long for many things. And many of those things eclipse the longing of their heart for God. And might I say to you today that if we do not have a deep and abiding longing for God as His children, the Lord God is well able to orchestrate a circumstance or situation in our life that will bring us to the place where we do long for Him. As we read this passage today, it is important for us to understand that it was written while David was in hiding. Now David was not a stranger to being pursued in his life. As a young man who had been anointed to be king over Israel, he was pursued by Saul. Saul was a king that he loved. Saul was a king that David served. Saul was a king that David honored. Saul was a king that David went into battle to defend. And yet Saul, despite the fact that David stood up for him, defended him, honored him, and supported him, turned on David and sought to kill him. Until he chased him all over the land from pillar to post, from canyon to cave, from tree to bush, to try to take his life. It was a terrible time in his life. But when this psalm was written, David would gladly have gone back to that as compared to where he was at this time. He was once again being pursued, but it wasn't by Saul. It was by his own son who had stolen the kingdom from him. 
who had perverted himself in all the eyes of Israel with David's wives on the roof of the palace in the sight of all the kingdom. Who now wanted to kill his own father who had showed him love and grace when he had once murdered his own brother. David was fleeing from his own flesh and blood. And for all the world, it looked like everything was lost. And as he was hiding out there in Judah, he took a pen in hand and he wrote, O God, Thou art my God! Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. We live in Arizona and it's dry here. Perhaps you're like me. There have been times where you found yourself extremely thirsty. Maybe you've been working somewhere. You've been hiking and and maybe you forgot to take water or maybe your water was gone. Someone took it. Maybe you spilled it. Have you ever been so thirsty that it was to the level of you were longing for a drink? Where maybe you thought you would expire if you couldn't get one. I wonder today if you are at a place in your walk with the Lord where you so long for Him that it feels as if you'll die if you can't have Him. And the reality today is this, that that needs to be the Spirit that drives the heart of every believer to a nearness with their God. As he longed for God, we see that it revealed some things about that longing. There was, first of all, a longing to seek Him with a passion. A longing to seek Him with a passion. You see, David's longing was not for a bigger palace or more gold. David's longing was not for greater intimacy with his wife. David's longing was not for the things that this world is yearning for, but his longing at that moment in time was for God Himself. He didn't want to just have a spiritual experience. He wanted God. He wanted to wrap His arms around Almighty God and find refuge under the shelter of His wings. This was written at a moment in time where he could find no comfort in family for they were separated from him and many had turned their back on him. He could find no comfort in even many of his own mighty men who were now fighting on the other side. And there were some uh, that were kind of standing betwixt and between trying to decide, uh, what do we do? The truth today is that there may come a time in your life where you just don't know who you can count on or who you may turn to. And I submit to you today that God will always be there. And He is the one that we need to come to the place where we desire and we have a passion to seek Him. You see, David's longing was not for church. It was not for music. It was not for anything but God. He said, my soul soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee. 
He wanted God. He knew that God was the one who could satisfy the deepest longing of his heart. You see, he had a longing to seek Him with passion. But verse 2 reveals to us that he had a longing to see Him in power. The Bible says in verse 2, to see thy power. You see, he said, I'm, I'm longing for what? To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. He longed to see the Lord in power. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. David had seen the glory and power of the Lord in the sanctuary. I'm not talking about in the church house. This is not the sanctuary per se, right? A sanctuary is a place of refuge and peace. That's what it means. And, uh, and I trust that it, this can be that. People often call the auditorium the sanctuary. And the fact is that, look, uh, I, I trust that people can find peace and, and comfort uh, in, in the message that is given. But look, there's no sanctuary in a building, you understand. Look, I, 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 there's a, another Bible-believing church not far from us that built a big, beautiful building a few years back. And everybody was telling me, oh man, that, that is just the bee's knees. It's the end all. Man, that's the greatest thing ever. I, I said, look, when your world is falling apart, drive over there and sit in the parking lot and then come back and tell me how much the structure helped you. The church is not the building. It's nice to have one, you understand. But what brings the comfort is not these environs, but what God can do within your heart alone. God can send a brother or sister to, to help minister to you, but let me say this, they'll never be able to do for you what only God can do. And so what we need to understand is that David had a longing to, to seek him with passion, but to see him in power. And David saw that, you know, that David was the one who rescued the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines, and, and he, he brought it back, and there's a, there's a whole backstory behind all of that, but... In contrast to this, the worst and lowest time in his life, perhaps the greatest day in his life, was the day that he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. It, it might have been at that point, at that moment, what he considered to be the high point in his life. Oh, no doubt the moment he slew the giant, that had to rank right up there. The, the day that he became king in, in Jerusalem, that had to rank right up there. But let me say that when he brought the Ark of the Covenant home, the Bible reveals to us, and you can read it in the Scriptures, that when he brought the Ark into the tabernacle, that the glory of the Lord filled the place. And he saw a manifestation of the power and the glory of God. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever seen a true manifestation of the power and glory of God? I'm not talking about a Shekinah light shining a place on a place. I'm not talking about that. Where you have seen God do what only God could do in great power. 
where you have seen truly the miraculous occur. And listen, it happens in common places and in simple ways that when God is involved, become glorious and a manifestation of great power. My friend, uh, I think about Jan Aldridge, our sister now with the Lord, who many times sat in a counseling room upstairs on Sundays or on Wednesdays or during a VBS and had the joy of leading little children to Jesus. Jesus Christ, perhaps third and fourth or fifth and sixth grade children. And you know what? As you see kids begin to understand their need of the Savior, and they, they begin to have the tears streaming down their cheeks when they understand they're a Savior, and they, and they come to Jesus and they ask Him to save them in faith. Listen, my friend, I don't know what you think about that, but I'm going to tell you, that is glorious. There in a little room with a little child in a simple place, in a vacation Bible school, in a small church, in a big city. It's glorious. And God, by His power, is doing there what no flesh could ever do. I don't know about you, but I long... I long to see the Lord revealed in power and in great glory. When people come forward and trust Christ as their Savior and humble their heart before God and man to take a stand for Jesus and say, I belong to my Savior and I'm not ashamed. My friends, I long to see a great moving of the power and glory of God in the midst. How about you? Well, how many of you need to see a little bit of that at your house? How many of you like to see a little bit of that in your family? You've got a wayward child or a grandchild, and it seems like all the efforts of mankind have come to nothing, and the only one left to be able to effect a change is God, to come to work in power and in great glory. And this one who longed for God had a longing to seek Him with passion and to see Him in power and in great glory. He had seen the Lord in the sanctuary, and now he desired to see the power and glory of God in the midst of his storm. I don't know about you, but we're as a nation in the midst of a storm. We're as a church in the midst of a storm. We are as a people and as a humanity in the midst of great perils that are all around us. And if we need anything, it's not a better medicine. It's not another bailout check. What we need is the power and the glory of God to be manifested. And we need God's people to yearn for it to the extent that they are willing to be a vessel through which God could use to, to demonstrate His power and His glory to this gainsaying world. He longed to see a manifestation of the glory of the Lord revealed in power, but we know that he had a longing to sing the praises of God. You know, I'm going to tell you, the Bible goes on, and it says here, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. My friends, I'm going to tell you something. We feel like, boy, this is really a great thing. If, you know, if I could just get this house, that would really, really make for a great life. You know, as my mom was drawing towards death, I had people want to talk to me all about quality of life. You know, I, I, I get what you're talking about. I understand that conversation. I've had it with a lot of folks, uh, many doctors. But can I tell you something? Who's going to decide what's quality? So, you know, if I live in a one-bedroom apartment in Sunny Slope, and you live in a five-bedroom house in Scottsdale, 
Is your quality of life better than mine? Well, who gets to decide that? Do you understand? So, if I went to school to the third grade and you have a doctorate degree, is your quality of life better than mine? Who gets to decide that? Do you see what I'm saying? My friends, realize this, that all the things that we think make for the good life are nothing. They are nothing compared to the loving kindness of God. They're nothing. I have a beautiful wife seated right back there with my children. I, I don't deserve my wife, but God favored me with her. But can I tell you something? She could never love me like Jesus can. Your wife can't love you like Jesus can. She's commanded to, but she's not Him. Linda loves me and wants to help me and care for me in every way that she can. But she'll never be able to touch my heart in the places that God can. She doesn't know my thoughts. Sometimes she thinks she, she does. Right? The fact is, he said, because your loving kindness is better than life. I wonder, do you really believe that His loving kindness is better than anything in this world, than anything in this life. That the life He calls you to of intimacy with Him and dwelling in that loving presence of, of Almighty God. I wonder if you have come to the conviction where you long for that type of uh, knowledge and fellowship with Him, that His loving kindness is better than anything in life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. It's better than a lot of money. There are a lot of folks that say, well, uh, you know, I'd like to try both just to prove it out. We'll try the money part first. Right? Well, you know, I, 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 I'd like to have a big house. And, and they think that's going to be the end all. Uh, listen, there are so many things. Well, if I could get another stimulus check, you know, uh, th that would be better than the life I'm living. Listen, Every day of our lives, the loving kindness of God is better than anything that this life has to afford us. And while we are so busy and impassioned about the things of this world, we say we want to draw near to the Lord. I wonder how truly passionate we are about it. When the soul begins to understand the love of God, it should produce a song of praise. The Bible reveals to us in verse number 6 that David began to sing during the night watches on his bed. And truly, God will give songs in the night when nothing in this world ever could. And I want to tell you, uh, Pastor Pat, thank you for singing near to the heart of God. There are a lot of nights that I can look back to in my life where I was so heavy hearted and so downcast that I was not sure that I would survive it. I didn't think I could, I could survive it. I mean, I'm serious. I just thought, this is going to totally, my heart is so broken, it's going to have to just explode. I, I just don't know how I can live through this. Have you ever been there?
And there are times where I, I just lay there thinking, I just don't know how I'm gonna how I'm gonna make it, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God would bring this song to me. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before Thee near to the heart of God. Sometimes I'd lay there and I'd sing. And I'd cry a little bit and I'd sing a little bit. And I'd praise Him in the night. That even though I was at my lowest point, I was never alone. And that His loving kindness was better to me and anything I felt like I was missing out on. And folks, it did something to me. It taught me something. It gave me a longing to sing His praise, and that was as a result of the discovery that His loving kindness was better than anything that this life had to offer because he had a longing for God, he had a longing to serve his purpose. In verse number 4, the Bible says this. Verse 3, it says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. A longing to serve his purpose. Now, Many will seize on that where it says, I will lift up my hands in thy name. And, and, and what they think is, well, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to lift my hands up when, when, when I get my praise on. you know. And, and, and that's really not specifically what it's talking about. Though they did sing and lift their hands to God. And though they did pray and lift their hands to God. And, and look, folks, that doesn't bother me a lick. A lot of times I do that. You know, I... I Listen, I don't want to attract attention to me. I want it to go all to God. You understand? But the fact is that lifting up of holy hands unto the Lord is not just a call to get your praise on and to shake your booty for Jesus. Okay? Lifting up our hands in service unto the Lord. That my hands are consecrated for His purpose and for His use, and that my life will now be lived, and my efforts will be directed toward His purposes and not my own. Because His loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Thee. Thus will I bless Thee. He had a longing to serve His purpose and you know, 
How many of you know that we pray so often for God to bless us? How many of you know that? How many of you have prayed today, God bless us, or bless my family, and bless my wife, or bless me, or bless me on my job? How many of you have ever prayed that one? Let me see your hand. All right, the rest of you can't hear me, or you've never prayed, you don't pray for God to bless you, you know? <laughs> I can't hear you, I have my mask on. Oh, forget it. Some of you, some of you missed that one. You go back to sleep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, there are a lot of people that get sleepy when they're wearing the mask because they're getting that carbon monoxide back in their system, I guess. But, but look, you know what? I, I've thought about, okay, I know, I have an idea what it means when I say, okay, Lord, bless me. How many of you have an idea what that means when you pray that? Let me see your hand. Okay, some of you, you have no idea what you're praying? Okay, okay. So we have an idea what that means. We want God to, to add to us. We want God to give us certain things, to bestow certain things upon us. Bless us. But here he said, thus will I bless the Lord. The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. How do I bless God? What do I have to give God that He needs, we think? The reality is, that I can take those things that God blesses me with, those things that He bestows upon me. If it's, if it's a job, then I can, I can bless the Lord by taking that job and using it as an occasion to glorify Him. If it's resources, then I can take those resources and reinvest them in His work to, to render glory back, to render blessing back, that which He has blessed me with. Now, I'm going to bless him with. If God has given me a family, I want to raise a family to bless Him back, to, to live our lives toward Him and for Him. He's blessed me those things. If He's given me health, I want to use that health to bless Him back. The fact of the matter is I'm going to render it back. I'm going to bestow that back upon God to bring glory unto the Lord. I, thus will I bless you. God, while I live, I don't want to just get to heaven and say, man, I wish I would have done that. No, while I live, I want to bless Him. I want to lift up my hands in His name and say, my life is yours to control. I want to serve your purpose for my life. Folks, I'm going to tell you this. None of us is a worthy vessel apart from Christ making us worthy. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. The fact of the matter is that if you're drawing breath, God has a purpose for your life. Let me say that again. If you're drawing breath, God has a purpose for your life. You say, well, I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. I don't have the pedigree. Doesn't matter. The, the Bible is filled with illustrations of people that put those ideas out there and yet God used them mightily and He'll use you too. Will you lift up your hands in His name? Will you determine that you are going to long to serve His purpose and not your own? He said, thus will I bless you. I'm gonna, while I live, I'm going to give my life back to you that you've given, that you've blessed me with. And I'll lift up my hands in your name. I'll make these hands available to your purpose and not my own. Whatever that is. That's what he was saying. In the midst of his hardship, in the lowest point of his life, in the midst of his storm, he was longing for God. And what we notice in verse 5 is this. He said, my soul shall be what? Satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with 
joyful lips. You see, he had a longing to be satisfied with his presence. To be satisfied with his presence. All that could bring health and blessing to his soul at that moment. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. I, I want to ask you a question. Who do you desire to be with? Who do you long to be with? Okay. You think about it a minute. I, how many grandparents in here today? Raise your hand. Oh, everybody's happy to, to, to raise your hand on that one. Right. Let's have an invitation. <laughs> I see that hand. God bless you. I see those hands. We have grandparents in here. Aren't, aren't those grandbabies fun? I, I mean, you've seen the bumper sticker that says, if you knew grandkids were this much fun, you would have had them first. And, and, and we get that, don't we? They're, they're tons of fun. How many of you just can't wait till they come to visit? My hand's up. Look, I, I, I love them. I, I want to see them. I want to spend time with them. I, I, I think I can go as far as to say, I long for that time. How many of you have ever gone so long between visits that it almost physically hurts when you think about it? How many of you are there with me on that? It just almost hurts because you just, you just want to spend time with them. Could be you're, You feel that way about your kids too, right? When's the last time... You long to be with God so much that you felt like it would just hurt if you couldn't. To be satisfied with His presence. That more than if I had all of the family over and together for the holidays, the joy that would bring me doesn't begin to compare with the joy I would experience in being with God. Do you know if I take greater joy in my family than I do in God, do you know what I have turned my family into? What is it? It's an idol. It's an idol. If it's what I long for more than I long for God, it's an idol. I'm not saying that we shouldn't long to have family together. I'm just simply saying that we shouldn't desire that more than we desire the presence of the Lord in our life. He said, I shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And he used a nutritional term, marrow and fatness, that they well understood. I... I understand well the fatness part. How about you? As some of you think, speak for yourself, man. <laughs> With marrow and fatness. But, you know, perhaps you know this, but what David is saying here when he says, I'll be satisfied with you is with marrow and fatness. How many of you like a good ribeye steak? Let me see your hand. You're a good ribeye. I love a ribeye. You know, sometimes I'd, if, it's, if it's a good cut and it's prepared right, I'd almost rather have a ribeye than a filet mignon. You know why? A ribeye has that marbling in it. That's a nice way of saying it's got fat in it. What does the fat do? What? I can't hear you. 
It makes it taste better, right? Makes it taste better. Yeah, it does. Well, what does marrow do? Now, I, I, I spent a lot of time traveling the world. I've been able to preach in 27 different countries of the world. I, I'm thankful to the Lord for that. And as I've traveled abroad, a lot of times what I'll find is, especially in poor regions, they never let one part of an animal go to waste. But one thing I've found is that so many of these cultures will take the bones of the animals that they have butchered, and they will boil the bones, and they will drink the broth because it contains marrow. Why is marrow something that they should want? Not just because it tastes good, but because it's good for them. It's healthy. And so when David says, I will be satisfied as with marrow... And with fatness, he's saying that the Lord God is not only good for me, He's good to me. Let me ask you today, is the Lord good to you? Is the Lord better to you than you deserve? You should say amen and amen, right? Can I get a witness? Alright, we should be able to have a charismatic service in here right now. The Lord is way better to us than what we deserve. And, and listen... He was satisfied with it. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I wonder, have you tasted of the goodness of the Lord? And know that He will satisfy you in every way such that you feel like there's nothing else that I have need of here. I, uh, my wife uh, prepares a, a, a pork uh, that... Uh, that's marinated with a special marinade with a recipe that she got from her dad. It's a northern Vietnamese way of preparing pork and it's sliced thin and she, she marinates it for at least three days, sometimes five days. And I have to tell you, it, it's so delicious uh, that we typically eat through about... Four, we, we, we make it three or four times a year and we'll, we'll make 40 pounds of the meat at a time. And, and it's gone. In no time. And when she sets that on the table, man, it's can I can, please pass the pork? Please pass the pork. We, we call it Grandpa Wins pork. And uh, and you know what? The other day I had a serving of that pork, and I mean I ate till, till it was just good, you know. And I mean I, I was I was full, and and then they said, "Would you like some dessert?" You know what I said. I think I'll pass. What I would like is if there's a little more of that pork. You know what I realized? It wasn't just good for me, it was good to me. And I was satisfied with it. I didn't have to have ice cream on top of it to make it feel better. The fact is, you won't have to have all of the window dressing of Christianity when you get a good dose of Jesus. You'll be satisfied with Him. I know that time is hastening on, but the Bible reveals this. Something I think we need to see in verse 7. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. You see, he had a longing to be sheltered with his protection. A longing to seek him with passion. 
a longing to see Him in power, a longing to sing His praise, a longing to serve His purpose, and a longing to be satisfied with His presence, but a longing to be sheltered with His protection. You know, I'm a gun owner, and many of you are. We call it home protection. Right, Brother Tim? Home, home protection. And, and, and maybe there's an added measure of comfort just knowing that if someone comes into our home, meaning our family harm, that we're prepared to defend them with lethal force if necessary. But can I tell you that there's a protection that God gives that's way better than a gun that shoots straight. That's more comforting than high magnum rounds. God. You know who my protector is? Not me. God. It's not my 357. It's God. It's not the shotgun behind the door. It's God. And David was a man of war. He was a bloody man. He was not allowed to build the temple. And the reality was that in this moment, he couldn't single-handedly take on the kingdom. He wasn't going to go out and kill his own son to take the kingdom back. His sword was useless to him then. The reality was this, that he realized that God was his help. That the only protection came under the shadow of God's wing. And he rejoiced in it. I'll tell you that the safest place on planet earth for you and me is smack dab in the center of God's will for our life. There are people that feel like, well, that's a bad neighborhood, I don't want to go there. Listen, if that's where God wants you to go, that's the safest place for you to be. Well, people say, well, I, you know, I don't want to tell that person about Jesus. They might have COVID. Well, if that's God's will for your life, that's the safest thing you could be doing. And I believe that we need to come to the place where we long to be sheltered with His protection. But one last thing I want to share with you. And this is the kicker. In verse number 8, the Bible says here, My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. And what this reveals to us is that David had a longing to stay in his presence. As I looked at what the Hebrew revealed about followeth hard, you know what it said? It was the same as him saying that my soul cleaves to thee. It sounds very much like what our theme is for this year. Drawing near. I want to cleave unto God. I don't want to leave Him. I want to cleave, not leave. Right? Can I say this to you? With all sincerity of heart, I'd like to say that my soul followeth hard after Him all the time. But it doesn't. I'd like to say that I live every moment in His presence. Though He is there, I'm not 
continuously cognizant of it. I get wrapped up in emotion. I get wrapped up in the tedium of the day. I get wrapped up in the news and what's happening in Washington. And I'm not thinking that God is right here and He's in control and He's in charge. But at this moment in David's life, you know what he's saying? I don't want to leave His presence. I'm longing to stay in His presence. My soul followeth hard. That's why he was called a man after God's own heart. He continually pursued, pursued, pursued the heart of God. He followed hard. He claved to it. He never wanted to be away from it. And my friends, if, if this year you say, I want to draw near this year, we need to come to the place where our soul follows hard. Where we say, I want to stay in His presence. Not just while I'm at the church. Not just when I'm having my devotions. But when I'm dealing with customers at work, when I'm dealing with patients at work, when I'm doing my tasks during the workday, when I'm cleaning my house, when I'm talking on the phone, when I'm looking at the news, when I'm reading, I want to stay in His presence. My soul followeth hard. How many of you have ever really deeply loved somebody? Let me see your hand. You've deeply loved somebody. How many of you have ever gotten sideways with somebody that you deeply love? It happens, doesn't it? How many of you that when you were sideways with someone that you deeply loved were miserable about it? That's me. If, if I ever have a spat with Linda, I just can't stand it. You know, I, I listen, you don't have to tell me, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I'll, I'll, I'll be on my knees before day's end, right? Because I just want everything to be well. I want it to be right. Because I want us to be together in oneness in every way. And, and I just long to have that. Why is it that we say we love God and we allow things that lead us away from intimacy with Him to remain? And it doesn't bother us all that much. Maybe, maybe, somewhere along the way we wandered out of the presence of the Lord. Oh, He's in me, I know. His mark is on me, I know. But I'm no longer cognizant of the presence of God in me and with me. And so it just doesn't bother me all that much when I'm holding on to the things that... It just doesn't bother me all that much when I'm holding on to the things that put the crown 
of thorns on his head. Would you say, my longing is to stay in his presence. I don't want to wander away from it. I'm longing for God. Let me let you in on a little secret. He's longing for you too. He's longing for you too.